<laughs> let's, uh, let's pray in uh, preparation for the preaching of the word this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us this morning. Help us to, to, help us to listen to you, Lord. Um, pray that you'd help me listen to you. Um, I think over and over again this week, praying over this passage, that that you kind of nudge me and talk to me, and, and, and I pray that I'd be discerning in, in, um, in what I share and what, what, um, what's from you and what isn't, Lord. I pray that I wouldn't get in the way of the message this morning either, that, that Jesus would come out in this, that folks would know you more um, because of the Spirit and the Word and, and through Christ in them. Pray that you would uh, just give us your grace this morning uh, for for the message in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we are continuing on in Psalms, though uh, just for a few more weeks. Um, I am not going to bother moving that. I'm just going to trip over the cable later. Uh, the uh, I my, one of my objectives is to uh, finish the Book of Psalms before I retire, and so we're gonna we're gonna hear a few Psalms every every year. Um, so that I don't have to spend the last like three or four years doing it consecutively, uh, three. Um, so <laughs> we are we're working through Psalm slowly. And before I dive into the Psalm, I yesterday, um, my wife and I went up to Beaver Creek. Have y'all been up there? It's a it's a big park that's around a uh, creek, and <laughs> um, and and we went up there and we didn't camp. We just we went for a hike, and then we uh, we cooked dinner over a campfire. And, and we made the mistake, and I, I understand the mistake now, um, of, of letting Titus, our five-year-old, know that there would be uh, that there would be marshmallows at the end of our time uh, out in the in the park. Um, so we, we got there, and the first thing he wanted to do was start a fire, and uh, in the fire pit, not like in general. Um, although I'm sure, given the opportunity. Um, he, so, so that's the first thing you want to do. He said, well, no, we're going to go for a hike. And he said, well, I'll just stay here with the marshmallows. I said, no, son, <laughs> you don't get to stay here. And so we, we forced him on a, on a hike, which apparently was a grueling death march, to hear him explain it. And, and so we start walking, and I have a little pedometer thing on my watch, and I set it to, to pay attention to the distance, and it, it, pay, it, it does it by satellites. So, like, you know, it knows exactly how far we walk. And we were exactly one-third of a mile away from the car when Titus began to complain because he's five. I mean, everybody knows, you know, a five-year-old, they'll run ten miles playing, but if you want them to walk somewhere, suddenly they, they're arthritic and... <laughs> um, so we, we set out to do this walk and at a third of a mile he stopped and says ah oh, we're too far from the car how long dad how long do we have to do this walk <laughs> and, and at about a half a mile he stopped again and collapsed in exhaustion dad how long <laughs> Why do we keep walking? The car's the other way. <laughs> we, we got about a, oh, three quarters of a mile, and you could actually see roughly where the car was. He said, Dad, we're so high up. We're never getting back to the car. We're so far. This is awful. And he was, he was so dramatic. I, I wish I had an Academy Award to give him. <laughs> um, it was so ridiculous. 
And and actually, like, because my watch, it counts, like, exercise minutes. The, the stops to, like, push him into motion made it so that it didn't even – it's like you're not even walking. You're, you know, this is an exercise. You, you might as well be sitting and eating marshmallows. Um, it was it – was, uh, exactly the amount of fun that you expect hiking with children to be. Um, but it was a beautiful day and all this other stuff. And Abby ran about 10 miles ahead of us and then ran back. It was, it was, so um, the reason I'm starting with this, we're, we're doing Psalm 6. And Psalm 6, like the big, the big catch line in this is how long, right? And, and I want to kind of differentiate here because it's easy to read Psalms and to read ourselves into them. And, and there's some value in identifying yourself in the text. But what we're going to look at today is sort of the difference between, like, putting this text on every situation versus what's going on here. You all with me? Um, and, and so, like, as we get into this, understand Psalms is a funny genre. It is um, where you see kind of the rawest and, like, most bare version of the author talking to God and pouring out their emotions and, like, like just just putting it all out there. I mean, these are very you know very emotional, very raw kind of things. And there's theology to it. There's there's Bible to it. I mean, well, obviously it's in the Bible. There's theology to it. Like we can learn things about who God is, but it's also we can learn about ourselves. And so like there's a whole chunk here, and it makes it hard to interpret. It makes it hard to preach. And I'm I'm you know so so that's the heads up going into this is that there's kind of this emotional human component, and we're going to talk about God at the same time. Like it's all there. Um, so the other end of this is that sometimes when we read Psalms, we can hear God's voice in it. Like we can see where God speaks to his people through the Psalms and, and there's kind of that component here too. So just as an FYI, this is kind of a more generic Psalm. Like it's not one where we can say this happened as David was running for his life, or this happened as Solomon was building the temple, or it's, it's more out there in time and space. We don't know exactly. And there's some different takes on how to read this, and I'll kind of cover them as best I can as we go. Uh, So here we are, Psalm 6, uh, verses 1 and 2, and then actually there's a little title thing before we get to it, for the director of music with stringed instruments according to Sheminith, a psalm of David. Now, there's a word in there that most of us don't know, and in fact it should be all of us because nobody really knows what it means. Uh, which is one of the reasons why it's not translated at all. It is potentially an eight-stringed instrument, right? Like it's possibly a particular type of guitar. Um, I I don't know how many strings a guitar has, but it's potentially like that or a harp or something. Um, The other possibility is that it may refer to a type of tuning, you know, in the key of G or out of tune or whatever. Um, There's just no way to know because because music is so transient and they didn't have standardized music text back then. And so we kind of guess at this point. Um, but that is, so this is a psalm written, it was for public performance, it was set to music originally, and the first line, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, or discipline me in your wrath. Now, there are, like these first two lines, there are a couple of things that we can draw out of this. It is possible that the psalmist has like this sin that they're carrying around, right? Um, some people have guessed that, oh, this is like after David murdered uh, or had, um, had uh, Bathsheba's husband killed. Um, that's possible, uh, but that's really just conjecture. Um, it, is, it is possible that this is about a sin the guy is carrying. Um, he says, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. So whatever I've done wrong, God, like, give me some peace here. Give me some grace. Pass over it. Right? It's also possible 
Because in the ancient world, and this is pretty universal in the ancient world, right? People assumed that bad things happening were a sign that God was angry at you, right? Um, It is not a strong theological position. Um, We see this in, uh, like when Jesus is traveling with the disciples and they walk past a blind guy and, and, you know, the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, this blind guy right here, is he blind because his parents are sinners or because he is? And, you know, and Jesus is like, well, neither, um, but their assumption was if somebody is blind or, or sick or dying or whatever, this is God is mad and he's dumping out his wrath on us. And so it's possible that that's it. We're not sure. And I think there's a bit of fairness in reading this both ways, right? Um, and here's why. Because you don't need to raise your hands, but just, you know, inwardly, how many of y'all have ever had like a sin that you just can't quite let go of? A, a bit of anger or resentment or something you go back to over and over and over again. You think, man, why can't I quit this? Um, I remember, actually, because Jeff talked about quitting smoking. Like, I, I remember quitting smoking. And I, I was really good at quitting because I did it sometimes four or five times a day. You know, was, and I remember thinking, why do I keep doing this? Like, I don't want to, but I keep doing it. And and it, it was crazy, but like it could be that, that that it's a sin that he comes back to over and over again. The big thing to understand here um, is that there is something not right, and this guy is aware that something is not right. Or as my kids might say, it's not fair. Oh, somebody knew what I was going to say, right? That was Carly. You've only that's <laughs> so you've heard this from one of the forty-two children living in your house in the recent. <laughs> it's not fair. And guess what? That is, like, huge in this psalm, right? Like, like we're going to, here, we're going to go forward, but, like, there is something wrong here because it is not the way the world is supposed to be. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, for my bones are in agony. The best thing I heard, I actually listened to, when I, when I research the sermons, what I'll generally do, I'll read a handful of books on it, and I'll pray about it, and then I'll listen to sermons from other preachers, like better preachers. I know, like, pretty much everyone. Um, <laughs> but I, I listen to other preachers, and I, I listened to a, a, a lecture from a theology professor um, on this, and he, he read this passage, and he talked about he had lost his wife the year before to, to like, advanced bone cancer, where it had, like, just gone all the way through her. And, like, bone cancer is bad. Like, there's a point at which, like, like morphine doesn't kill it. Like, you, you feel it, and there's no escape, and it's just constant. And, and um, it is a bad thing. And he says, you know, for him it, like, took on this new meaning. The, the idea here, the idea here is this guy is either physically sick or he's or is emotionally sick, right? And we've all been there, right? Like, any of y'all ever had a tragic thing or a horrible betrayal that happens, and it just, it just clenches you up inside, and you feel like you're, you can't even move anymore? You know, that's, that's kind of the emotional end of this. And he might just be sick. He might be dying. He might be unwell. Um, either way, both are miserable, right? I mean, that, both are an awful place to be. Being physically ill, you know, being, be, being sick, like, like to the core of who you are, um, to your very bones, um, it's awful. Um, and this guy, he, he's in this place where he's like, God, if you're mad at me and that's why I'm sick, you know, or, or this sin is making me sick inside or whatever it is, Lord, turn to me. Now, I want to make it clear. This is a big one. You all with me? 
Like, this isn't Titus walking along and, oh, I can't walk any further. This is a man who's like on the brink, right? And, and on the brink, he turns and he starts saying, God, where are you? Like, have mercy on me. God, like, lay off. I, 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 whatever it is that's making you pour your wrath on me, stop. Lord, help. My soul is in deep anguish. Um, how long, Lord, how long? Um, deep anguish. Now, this word in Hebrew um, has kind of two connotations. It's almost always translated as anguish or pain or hurt. Um, but that's not the full meaning of it, right? And that is a part of it. So, like, like if you can imagine being in a place where your soul is just crushed. Um, I've talked to some of you in that place, right? Where it's just, I cannot believe this is so bad. I cannot believe this is so broken. I can't believe this is so not right. But there's also an element where this word carries fear. Y'all understand that? Like where, when everything is so messed up and you hurt, but you're also kind of afraid because it could keep going or because like there may not be an end to it or because um, what if this is the way the world really is? And he asks, how long, Lord, how long? And this isn't a Titus, Dad, how long do I have to walk? It's a, God, where are you? You know, where are you? I, I would wager that there are a few people in this room that can relate to that, right? Actually, I didn't line this up for this week. It seems like the Psalm of the Week, to be perfectly honest, right? Like, how long, Lord? Like, how long are things that are just broken going to keep being broken? How long do we have to mourn, Lord? How long do we have to have to wait for you? I think if you look at the world around you, you can see this in, in all kinds of folks. I think there are a lot of people who, who don't know Jesus who, who kind of drift through life hopelessly. I think there are a lot of people who know Jesus um, and wonder, where are you? You know, why, why can't you do something more? Why won't you do something? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Now, that word turn is a big, ugly one. And here's why. Because about 80% of the time, turn is translated as repent. Um, but that's because the word repent literally means to turn around and go the other way. Um, it's not saying, God, you need to repent. Like the specific context here dictates that it is, God, please stop what you're doing and come back this way. Discontinue the path you are following and deliver me. Lord, if you are punishing me for my sin, deliver me from it. Lord, if you are... Lord, if you are intentionally facing away from me, turn around and come back here. Lord, whatever it is you're doing, change your direction 180 degrees and do the opposite, please. Save me because of your unfailing love. By the way, deliver me and save me. Deliver me has this like connotation of like tearing out or extracting. It's used in, uh, um, in one of the major prophets to refer to like, like stones that had been uh, damaged in a wall and tearing them out. And so he's saying, God, please come and just pull me out of this situation. Like, like extract me from the mud that I'm in. I, I remember uh, when I read this and I started trying to picture the image in my head because this is an imagery word, right? Like, and you lose some imagery when you translate. This would be like we were walking. We, every year, my kids and I and my wife, we do a big sandy mud tour. Um, you know, right as the snow melts. 
the, the roads here, they turn into soup, right? Y'all are vaguely aware of this. And so every year about the time that it gets just warm enough for the snow to melt and just warm enough to not freeze to death, we put on our rubber boots and we walk around town and we play in the mud. And the last time we did it was two years ago. We didn't do it this year. Um, we were in the Phillips's backyard and I can't remember, I think it was Titus hit a point where his boots stuck and he was in their yard and he had sunk and he couldn't move anymore. And he's standing out there, he pulled his foot out, and so he's standing on one foot with a boot in the mud, and he's like, Dad, help me. And I said, well, you kind of got yourself in that situation. How about you figure your way out? And then a much nicer person came along, (laughs) and Dusty (laughs) put on her knee-high boots and went out there and rescued him. And she, I remember, actually specifically remember, the noise of ripping him out of that mud. You know, the no- everybody's heard that noise, right? Because I assume everybody in Montana has done this. Not the mud tour necessarily. Well, we all do that, whether we want to or not. Um, but that... She pulled Titus out of the mud and carried him out. Like, And that's the image I get here. God, I am stuck. God, I am stuck up to my knees, and I need somebody to come along and rescue me. Extract me from this situation. And, and this is... I I use that mud thing because it's something we can all relate to. But have you ever felt that where everything is so flat and dead and broken and messed up and you're just mired in it and you can't quite get out of it? You know, there's five feet of snow on the end of the property and you can't get your car out so you're stuck. You know, or, or Michael, Daniel, and I were out once in my Ford Ranger pickup truck with rear wheel drive and we were out at the the O'Neills, and uh, as we were driving back, we made a poor decision about where to turn, and in the back roads, we hit a point where the truck was moving from side to side, but not forward, and the mud was just, <laughs> we just sank and sank, and it was, you know, we were inching. It, it was based on Craig's directions, um, <laughs> Because so, I remember calling him. He was like, well, here's how you're going to go. And we did, and we, it was bad. Um, and we began to argue about who would push the truck out. <laughs> um, and, and fortunately, pi- piloting delivered us, and we were able to get out of the mud. Um, but this is the idea. Lord, come and extract me from this. I am stuck. I am sinking. I am in trouble. And because I know you love me, because of your unfailing, unflagging, like like love, because you are faithful, because you, you are God. I mean, this is in the very core of who God is, right? God, come rescue me. Ideally, Titus gets stuck in the mud and says, Dad, come extract me, and I would go do it, because I, any distance and any amount of mud is enough to, but I got, I got Dusty to do it. Um, <laughs> but this is the idea, like, this is how we should look to God. And when we hit this point, and I don't know if you all can relate to this, sometimes we hit this point where it's just, busted and we look around and we know the world's not supposed to be this way and we find ourselves sick in our soul to our very bones and we're like god come and save me and like like we have options then we can be angry at god and sometimes we end up there right we can assume god isn't there and he's not going to rescue us or we can back up and say all right god now's the time come get me and we can trust He goes from that point to um, something I suspect we've all done. 
Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? Um, yes. Um, my, my daughter got in trouble this yesterday, and she doesn't get to watch TV today. And so yesterday evening, she's making a face at me. Yesterday evening, she came to me and she said, Dad, what do I need to do? You know this? Can we make a deal here? And this is what the psalmist is resorting to. God, if I die, I can't praise you anymore. So <laughs> he, he goes to bargaining. And again, this is a song. Like, so they, you know, God, please save me because I need to keep praising you. And I think there's truth in that, right? And there's extra reason to praise if you save me. You know, that's a good argument. Um, but among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Um, who praises you from the grave? So God, please rescue me so I can continue to praise you. Please rescue me so I can sing about you. Please rescue me so I can... Um, anybody ever find themselves in that spot where you want to make a deal with God? I had, uh, this is... No, I'm not going to rabbit trail. Never mind. Um, I am worn out from my groaning. The word worn out there, by the way, um, it it's like uh, the word that would be used for labor. You ever do like physical, well, y'all are farmers, so most of y'all have done physical labor. I assume most of y'all have picked rocks, and you get done at the end of the day, and you are beat, right? Um, I don't, I can't relate, so I'm, I don't work. Um, I'm exhausted. I am Push to the point of, you know, like done from my groaning. Um, all night long I flood my bed with weeping. I drench my couch with tears. Anybody ever wake up in the middle of the night and, and weep or cry yourself to sleep at night? This is what he's talking about. This is an emotionally broken man. And he's saying, God, come, come save me. Come save me. God, where are you? Why aren't you here? My, eye grow, my eyes grow weak from sorrow. They fail because of my foes. Meaning like, you know, I'm, I'm, well, again, it's, it's a point of exhaustion, a point of unable to go forward um, because of my foes. The, uh, the fellow I, I heard uh, lecture on this text whose wife had died of cancer, uh, bone cancer, talked about her foes being inward. Um, I had a, a guy that I worked with uh, who was dealing with a, a particular sin he kept going back to. Actually, I was, you know, this was back in Indiana. There was a guy who I knew who had a, a problem with pornography, and he, he just over and over again tried to stop, and he found that, like, no matter what he did, he would go back to it, and he would find ways to go back to it. And he would, he would say, you know, like, this is my enemy, and I can't seem to beat it, and the problem is it's me, right? Like, God, I, I can't beat this enemy. It keeps defeating me. And, and I, I thought of this guy. Actually, I, I don't know. His wife might watch these, so like I'm not going to use his name. Um, I thought of this guy when I read this, you know, the third or fourth time. I thought about him saying, you know what, I, I feel like I can't do this. I feel like God is, is letting me just die in my sin. I feel like I'm, I'm going to struggle with this until forever. Um, and he didn't. It's, he's eventually, but like there were years where he struggled with it. It was awful. Um, away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. Now watch this. Away from me means I don't want to associate with you. I don't even want to know you. Don't stand by me. I'm banishing you from my presence. Um, I don't think this is a text primarily about his enemies. 
Um, I think they're all part of it. But but I think a part of it, too, is that this is a guy who, again, sick, dying, has assumed that there's this huge sin on him, and he wants to get as clear from it as possible. He's a man who wants to be right with God so badly that he would go to any distance. He would do anything. For my, my friend in Indiana, he got rid of his TV, and he got rid of his his internet, like he had no internet in his house, and he, he got rid of his phone, and he got rid of all the way down to nothing. He'd still find ways to fall into sin. Like, and it was just a horrible struggle. He was so broken by it. Um, and he says, listen, I, you know, I, I, I will go to any distance. Just get away from me, um, for the Lord has heard my weeping, meaning God knows who I am. God is with me, and he will come and rescue me from this. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn their back and suddenly be put to shame. Um, This ends positive. It's kind of interesting. But it doesn't end positive as in God has delivered me. It ends positive as in God will deliver me. Now, here's what we do with this. And this is kind of a big thing. Um, I've got to start with some bad news. The world is not fair. I know some of y'all are shocked by this. Teenagers in the room, I'll give you a second to collect yourself. Um, the world is broken. The world is tainted by sin. We can do our best to make it right, and that's part of our job. But, like, it is a reality. People will die of horrible illnesses. Like, we will struggle with sin. Um, people will make poor choices. People will destroy themselves over and over again. You can watch them and just just weep over them. Um, but this is a man who backs up and says, you know what, at the end of the day, God has final say. Um, in this setting, because in the ancient, like you get far enough back, and the assumption was it was all physical deliverance. And so like God will deliver me. And so no, I, I know my enemies will be put to shame. But for some of us, deliverance comes not in this life. Um, the ultimate answer God gives to this. And this is a big, ugly question, isn't it? I mean, like, I'm not talking about an easy thing. I'm talking about, like, the world is broken and sometimes we anguish. The world is unfair and sometimes we get sick. Sometimes we sin and we can't stop sinning. You know, this is this, is this brokenness we deal with. And in the end, God's answer to all of this is in Christ. Like, we can always back up and say, you know what? Like, God looks at the brokenness in the world. God looks at the unfairness. God looks at all of this stuff And, like, his answer was to send Jesus to be perfect in our place and to take punishment for us. And so at the end of the day, I know I might struggle with sin until the day they put me in the ground. But on that day, I'll be victorious over sin because I go to Christ, like because I'm in heaven eternally. I might struggle with an illness. I might struggle with cancer. I might. That was my aunt. Oh, my gosh. That horrible. I watched uh, my my aunt was this wonderful woman who who. They found Jesus while I was in college and, and really became very serious about their faith. And, and she was just this awesome lady, and she got cancer. And over the course of five or six years, she fought it, and eventually she passed away uh, from pneumonia. And um, at her funeral, she had written a letter to read. And she talked about, you know, look, I know you want to mourn me, but don't because I'm with Jesus. And, like, I, I, you know, cancer didn't win. I didn't lose. I'm with Jesus. I'm, you know... Christ is my victory. And like, like at the end of the day, the psalmist doesn't know Jesus because it's way before Jesus shows up, but that is the answer that he's tossing out there. Like, in Jesus I am saved. 
In Jesus I may struggle with sin, but I know I'm saved. And I'll fight and fight and fight and fight, and I'll be exhausted. And to the very core of who I am, sometimes I'll be, you know, broken and injured, but I have Jesus. You know, I may be sick and in pain, but I have Jesus. And I can go back to this over and over again, and one day I'll stand before him, and that's what I got. You know, and Christ is the victory, and it's that victory he wins over sin, like, like through his life. And, and on the cross, like, like, taking punishment for our sins. In the resurrection, taking victory over, over death. Um, Paul quotes, uh, and I think it's in Isaiah originally, but I'm probably wrong. Um, you know, oh, death, where is your victory, right? You know, where is your sting? Like, death has nothing next to Christ. Like, if we are believers, if we are faithful, if we're followers, like, if we belong to him, if we are saved, if we are his people, like, all of this stuff is ultimately put aside. But you still got to go through the walk, right? You still got to get to the end. Um, you still got to stand before him. You still sometimes have to suffer. You still sometimes have to be alone. Sometimes you have to anguish. Sometimes you have to do these things. But, like, at the end of the day, we can back up and say, Jesus is my victory. You know, because I belong to him, I'm saved. Because I belong to him, this body that I have, it's temporary. Um, eternity is my destination. I am a sojourner, a passing, passing through. Um, there's a line where Paul talks in uh, Thessalonians about, um, you know, I, I, I don't want you to be deceived, brothers. Like, we don't mourn like the world. Like, we, we don't mourn like people who have no hope. I'm paraphrasing. Um, we mourn like people who belong to Christ and know that eternity is our destination. Again, paraphrasing badly. Um, <laughs> when we struggle with sin, we don't struggle like the world. We struggle as people who know that Christ delivers us. When we are depressed, we don't get depressed like the world that becomes hopeless. We can always turn and say, you know what, God, I'm anguished and I'm depressed and I'm alone and I'm empty. And to the core of who I am, I'm broken. But I know I know that Christ has victory, and I know that's the bottom line. And I'll hurt now, but in eternity I'll be okay. You know, as we get sick and as we pass, we know that it's miserable, but we know that Christ died for us and we're saved. And we serve a merciful and loving God that would go to no end to make it right. Um, would, there's no end to which he wouldn't go to make it right. Um, <laughs> My, my challenge to you and my encouragement, like as I've kind of gone through this, I, I can't put it down in points. Um, I can't give you, you know, here are the three things you need to do tomorrow. Um, what I have for you, like this week praying about this and, and visiting with folks and looking at all of this stuff that's happening in our, in our world, um, is at the very bottom of it, Christ died for us. You might say how long, but how long is how long will I deal with this right now? Because eternity is where God is. Um, eternity is where Christ is bringing us. Now may be hard, but there is an end to it. Um, let's pray, and, and I will uh, I'll let you all loose for the day. Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you be with us today. I pray that you would help us to, to lean on you, to turn to you just over and over again as we, as, as we, we mourn some difficult things right now. Lord, this is kind of a season in our in our church where, where some things are a little harder. And, and Lord, we pray that you'd be with us. Give us peace. Um, and I pray that those who are here and, and just feel empty and alone and, and um, feel hopeless, Lord, that you would be with them, that you would remind them that, that Christ has won a victory in this and that, that though they struggle and suffer now, they can, 
they can be reassured and they can have hope that you are there in eternity, um, that you've already taken care of this, that you belong to them, or they belong to you. Um, Lord God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good Sunday, guys.